0: And on the line with us is the Cardinals manager, Ali Marmol. Thanks so much for taking some time. When we had John Mosellock on a couple of weeks ago, uh, he said, you know, I'm trying to not talk about 2023. Where are you at at this point coming off the warm-up where a lot of the questions, I'm sure, were still about last year? When when did you get to sort of flush that from your mind?
1: Oh, man, I mean, a lot of fans have questions about it, so you want to make sure you answer every question possible and um but mentally like you you go through the offseason you you start to dissect what went wrong what you did well what you didn't do well and um start to lay out what the adjustments will be moving forward for for the upcoming year so you 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 flesh that out and and you start thinking about what's possible for 2024 i think the winter warm-up actually serves as a good time for um hitting the reset button and i said it during during the presser there it's it's a time where fans kind of get excited because players fly in, players are excited, fans are excited, and you start to talk about what's possible moving forward. So hopefully that serves as the, the time where you hit the reset button and you flush what's, uh, what's behind us and you start eyeing what's ahead.
0: How do you decipher what you what you think you didn't do well? Do you ask other people? Do, does Mo or the DeWitts, is it just internally? Do you look at games? How do you figure that out? a
1: combination of everything that you just laid out and you, you have certain people that you trust speak into it and people that are, are not um, afraid to to tell you exactly what they see. And um, that's the only way to get better. And there's certain things that were in our control and in my control and certain things out of my control, and uh, you want to make sure that you, you separate those and you really look in the mirror for the things that you're in control of and make sure that, um, that you don't repeat them. And uh, I think it's part of kind of how I evaluate every year. And then i allow people to, to speak into maybe some blind spots. Um, and that's always helpful.
0: Teams struggle, it happens, and then teams turn it around. Was there a point where, because everybody by nature is going to be optimistic, that's on the team or running the club. Sure. Was there a point where you said, oh, man, okay, it's not happening? Like, I'm sure even as the struggles – carried out, you kept thinking for a long time, I'm sure, all right, we're going to go on a streak. We're going to turn around. You just, not only do you say that, I feel like you believe it. Was there a point that when you said, okay, it's, it's just not happening?
1: Oh, man, I can't pinpoint the exact time where it's like, all right, but I mean, once you sell off certain pieces, you're not trying to, I mean, you're not really optimistic about making a run. Um, and then you look at the end of the year and does it look awful? You, you lost 91 games, absolutely. Um, Does some of the moves that were made in order to position ourselves for the future of this organization um, kind of play into that? Absolutely. Um, We lost 91, but if you look at what we finished the year with compared to what we started the year with, um, there's a big difference there. So uh, you you make certain moves that are important, and we got a really good return if you look at our minor league system and what we got for some of the players that we dished out to other clubs. Um, it worked. So, unfortunately, we had to make those moves. But um, at the end of the year, you're just trying
0: to survive. A lot of the moves this offseason, certainly pitching, but I think John Mozeliak and Bill DeWitt have all said, we're looking for guys with a certain DNA, maybe even that clubhouse voice or edginess or however you want to define it. Uh, how do you know when you need that? Because I remember, I think it was LaRusso would say, I don't go in there, that's their room. When you're the bench coach, you kind of walk through the clubhouse a lot, right? But when you're a manager, you try and kind of leave that to them. Explain to folks that dynamic, and if it changes for you when you become the manager.
1: No, you you actually said it well. When you're the bench coach, you you have um, more of the ability to walk through that clubhouse, and, and you're making sure – uh, everyone has what they need. Um, you're a sounding board for, for a lot of those players and you're mediator between the player and, and the manager for, for some of the things that can be resolved before hitting my desk. So as a bench coach, you're constantly, um, you, you have the pulse of that clubhouse. As a manager, you have the pulse of the clubhouse, but you rely on your bench coach to, to really um, draw it out of the player if there's something that they're not happy with or something they need or something they see that they want to dress with another player that they don't want to handle themselves to tony's point that the players he manages the game the players manage that clubhouse and um to, to the point mo has made he wanted to inject certain voices in that clubhouse to help and um when you no longer have albert you don't have yadi you don't have uh Wano as players then you want to make sure that you supplement it with guys that have been around that have um experienced a the ups and downs of being a big leader that have been punched in the face and, and have made it through and, and know how to react to uh, things not going well and and how to carry yourself when things are going well so the addition of a sunny gray and lance Lynn and gibson like those guys have experienced all the things that i just laid out um and each one of them have a different personality that are going to speak life into that clubhouse so um the moves that Mo and his group have made have been strategic. There's a purpose behind every one of them, and uh, the puzzle pieces are, are, are fall I mean, it's looking really good right now. It's been a good offseason.
0: How much was Molina not in your ear but vocal? And people forget. They think, oh, you're the new manager. You've been on that staff since 2017, so you've been in that Cardinal dugout now for the past seven years. How involved is Molina as a player? Was he typically in terms of – game not managed but just kind of weighing in on things was he pretty vocal even in your first year managing
1: um no not not extremely vocal um we had a really good working relationship where where he can come in after the fourth inning and say hey here's what i'm seeing um and find ways to navigate uh that starting pitcher that reliever through through a game um but as far as like he wasn't as vocal as you may think, um, he picked his spots and he was good about it. I I, I really enjoyed um, the back and forth with Yadi. I mean, I, I I loved it even days he wasn't playing. Like, just just being able to talk baseball with him, I, I enjoyed the heck out of it. But um, he would pick his spots where he felt really strong about something. He would say, "Hey, here's what I'm thinking," um, but he was he was very smart about when he he would do that
0: and he was interested in coming back and i from everything i had heard you know he wanted to do the day to day and i think the more you get closer to that you're like are you sure you want to do this but it sounds like he is he wants to be as much in as he can i didn't realize until mo told us this that he could actually sit on the bench in uniform when he's at a home stand or a road game uh, what do you think that'll be like? Since he's not officially a coach, I said I have this in my head. I see him barking at the Cubs across the diamond or yelling at the umpire, and they're like, "Wait a minute, what are you doing back here?" How, how do you think this is? How do you think this is going to play out?
1: No, I had a ton of back and forth with Yad, and man, my goal was to bring him in and him be here day to day, like every day. Um, and as we got closer and closer, and the more we talked, we, we have to respect the fact that he's been away from his family for two decades and um he deserves the ability to make his own schedule and be at home for his son and and his kids and his wife and and kind of do regular life and uh the more we talked the timing um for yad and his family just wasn't ideal i I think um i mean he's recently removed from the game and there's a part of him that that wants to be home, and uh, I wanted to be super respectful of that, no different than with Holiday. Um, He he made the choice, and I respect it, to be with his family, and he's been away for so long. Yachty was no different, so my goal was to have Yachty here every day, and um, at some point that that might be the case, but right now um, he owes it to his family to be
0: home more often than not. I remember early on reporting that that was the case, that that's what he wanted. And Everybody said, oh, you're an idiot. He's not going to Why would he do that? He's got all that money. And I said, you don't understand. I'm not saying I would do it if I were him. I'm just saying you have to understand his DNA. That like He, he thinks he owes it to the game. He's just obsessed with the game. Speak a little bit about that because people, I think, look at it and say he made all that money. He lives far away. It's just – He's different, right? That at some point he does want to yeah. be, he wants to no, do this. No, it's
1: more about the passion. I mean, he's passionate about the game. He's passionate about teaching. He's, and that's the reason you do this, right? Um, it's a big sacrifice. Like, I mean, the months of, that we're in season, I see my kids very, very little. I see my wife. I mean, I, I hang out with the, the team and the coaches way more than my family. And it's a big sacrifice. And you do it every year. So you, you do it because you're passionate about leading, you're passionate about teaching, you're passionate about the game, and this is how he's built. Um, so at some point, I, I do see him back in uniform and doing it and doing it extremely well because it's, it's I mean, that's his comfort. That's where he feels at home, and, and he loves doing it. Um, so um, at some point, it'll it'll be the case, and uh, we'll, we'll take as much of him as, uh, as he's willing to, to give early on.
0: Ali Marmol, our guest, the Cardinals manager, spring training right around the corner, and uh, I know we flushed 2023. Give me your optimism for next year and and kind of what it's based on. I think Mr. DeWitt said the other day, hey, everything that could go wrong did, and for a lot of years around here, everything that could go right did. Uh, Is it as simple as that, or where do you guys need to be better?
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't want to completely simplify, but there's a lot of truth to that. If you look at the last 10 years, I mean, different things have happened throughout the course of the season that allow you to, to get into the playoffs and, and take your shot. And I mean, I was a part of that 17 game run in order to sneak in that one year. And then just things worked out in a positive way. And last year we, we never, we never got into that stride where, where it felt right. Um, and when you, when you think about optimism for 24, it's not just like, Hey, different year and we'll see how it turns out. It's, um, Look at our offense. I feel really good about where we're at. There, uh, we have some some veteran leadership and some that duel at the corners with Goldie and Nato. Um, but you also, you have some young guys in Walker and Wind that are going to create a lot of memories for this fan base. But you add another year of experience to Gorman, and that's a scary bat. You add another year of experience to Newbar, and him understanding what the league looks like and being more comfortable with what he can and cannot do. Um, with his approach and Donovan's going to be healthy and Eddie, I think you look at our offense and it's a lot to get excited about. Then you look at our pitching and the moves that have been made, not only in the rotation and guys that could eat innings and give you some length, but in that bullpen, uh, some of the moves that have been made. I mean, I'm really happy with some of the swing and miss that we'll have back in the, in the back end of our pen. So that's helpful. But then defense, um, that's a that's a big deal and, and you're going into this year a little bit different than last year hopefully Wind comes into the camp and wins that job but you have a solid plus descending shortstop which allows you to put a plus defender in center field um... and you want to be strong up the middle and um, that, that's not that's not something that we were proud of last year was our, our defense um, So there's some changes there that are going to allow for more stability Walker's been working extremely hard and right, and we're seeing an improved version of, of him, a healthy new bar that can play left every day. is going to be important as well. And um, you go around and, and you feel better about just guys showing up to the park knowing what they're going to play. Um, you still have versatility in Donovan and Eddie, but throwing Eddie in center field every day is helpful. Having to win at short every day can be helpful. Um, so that in itself solidifies that defense. So we can sit here all day and talk about paying attention to the small things and doing the small things better, but personnel as a whole, um, if you just look at that, like that's an improvement and one that we're
0: excited about. And do you think Edmund at some point and he may not say it to you guys, but is thinking, all right, just pick a spot for me, please. Like he's been very good everywhere he goes. Do you think he'd like to settle in somewhere?
1: Um, yes, but he's not like tied to one place where he's like, I wish I played this position every day. He's excited about playing center field every day. Um, he was excited about playing short. Um, his versatility is what allows him to add a lot of value to this club. So, um, he's got the right mindset for it. If he didn't, we wouldn't we wouldn't have to done all the different moves with him, right? Like, if we thought it was hurting him, then we, we definitely would uh, take a deeper look at it. But this is a guy that has the right mentality for it. And, um, I am looking forward to penciling him, him in in center field every day and seeing what he's capable of doing.
0: Yeah, I know managers probably by nature like to kind of tweak the lineup and move it around, but for the most Not part – Not really, though. Like
1: really? That, that's, you say that, the reality is if you had eight dudes every day, nine dudes that you can throw in the same spot, like that's nice as well. well um, yeah, maybe it's I'm two
0: different things. That. So the lineup maybe it's a different thought, but I was going to ask that. How much – does it take off your plate? If you know every day, okay, Newt's going to be in left, Edmonds in center, Walker's in right, I got my shortstop, I got first and third cover, I got my catcher, and like, other than maybe the Gorman, Donovan, second base, rotation, whatever that looks like, that probably does take some stuff off your plate, if you could settle on your eight.
1: Yeah, and it's it's not so much taking it off my plate as much as giving some stability and continuity to the to the player's mindset, right? So, like, it's not so much – I don't view it as it it takes something off my plate. I think it's nice as a player to be able to show up and know I'm hitting here in the lineup and I'm playing here and go get them. Um, So, yeah, having that more set um, is something that could be extremely beneficial moving forward.
0: And with Contreras behind the plate now, is that pretty much his day-to-day? I know Herrera is going to be in the mix at times – because there was that awkwardness last year where we know Wilson wasn't going to be the catcher. Is it more cemented now?
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't so much awkwardness as much as we took a, a break for him to become more accustomed to what it needed to look like moving forward, and he handled it extremely well. I have, And I said it at the baseball writers' dinner that we just had this past week, like my, my respect for, for Wilson is through the roof. Um, and we have a really good relationship. But I, I respect him a ton for the way he handled it all of last year. And his amount of dedication to the club or himself was incredible. Um, but moving forward, yeah, he, he's working extremely hard at it. Um, he's in Orlando um, every day working on defense. And uh, his hope and, and ours is he's going to come back and be even a better version of himself defensively and we saw what he did in the second half offensively. It was a, a pretty
0: scary bat. You're a young guy in this position, but you also were at the minor league level. Were you 25 when you first started managing?
1: Um, sounded
0: about right. I was thinking one of those first jobs. Has it ever been something you feel you need to overcome? I know we've had some umpires where you kind of get it back and forth with them. Uh, does youth work against a manager? Does I mean Do you have to work around that, do you think? Do the players immediately – Say, oh well, he's so young. Is it ever a factor?
1: It, it's never come up until I have to answer a question like this from you. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, it, outside of media asking me about it, I never think about it. It never comes up um, from a uh, staff to staff, myself to player. From not like it's never anything that has ever kind of hindered my ability to communicate properly with the player or. Uh, the clubhouse or anything of that nature. So, um, my answer would be no, not not really.
0: Where does your confidence come from? Because I've, you and I've sat in that dugout before, and even when things are going poorly, you never really kind of waver. Is that from childhood and on, or where, when did you kind of get that instilled?
1: Man, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, honestly, like I've had some really good people. Walk next to me and do life with me, and teach me what, what matters in life. And there's there's certain things you're in control. There's certain things you're not. Uh, and uh, I know my purpose on on this earth is uh, much more than just the X's and O's of a of a game. Um, I have a lot of confidence in my preparation and uh, the people that have my back every day. You're going to go through periods. I was able to spend uh, a decent amount of time after the baseball writers' dinner with, with Tony Larusso, and it was so interesting. To hear from him, you, you read about it, maybe you hear stories from other people, but coming out of his own mouth, how difficult um, this job is over time when you do it for 10, 20, 30 years and the ups and downs that you're going to experience uh, and how he personally navigated the noise and, and, and got through it certain times. And, and it, it's good to hear, but having people speak into different situations in your life, you, you're able to take a step back and you go, you know what? here's what I know I'm good at, here's what I need to work on, and um, here's how I'm going to go about it. Uh, and when things are going well, great, and when things aren't, um, at least you have a, a really good idea of where you're headed and how you're wanting to get there, and you just keep plowing through it. So I'm not sure how else to answer that other than mm-hmm. I, I do feel prepared. I, I've had really good people walk alongside of me uh, for a long time, so...
0: Well, it's interesting because when Tony started with the White Sox, he was really young, and I said to him once, I said, "Did you get hammered for?" It? He goes, "Yeah, by the media. Nobody else cared." <laughs> and it was like, "And that's the truth." I mean, I think it was broadcaster specific <laughs> back easy, then.
1: Right? You have to sit there and you have to talk for a long time, and uh, <laughs> at some point, you have to make stuff up, and that's just the reality. It's not, like it's you need something to talk about, and what's easier than to run to the fact that hey he's not as experienced or he's young or it's a talking point that honestly doesn't come up ever outside of these
0: conversations. Did you ever worry last year that you were going to get fired as the losses piled up? Was it ever, I mean, I know at some point Mo probably talks to you, but was it ever a thought?
1: Listen, if, if that what took place, it takes place. Like I, I worry myself zero about that. Like I know, what value I bring to the organization. If that was the answer, then it would have happened, right? Um, So I I have a ton of respect for our ownership and our front office for how they handled last year. I I also said this at the baseball writer dinner because I I wanted people to hear it. You find out about people when you go through difficult times. Like You really understand how people operate and why they operate the way they do and who they truly are. And I can say that in 2023, as terrible of a season that it was, our ownership and our front office were as consistent with myself and my staff as they were in 2022 when we were right in the highs of Albert chasing 700 and winning the division by seven games. And then you you make the list out, it was a positive year. Did we get beat by Philly? Absolutely. But they were as consistent with me and my staff in 23 as they were in 22. And that speaks a lot as to how they operate.
0: You like hearing from fans. You're willing to do it. I know you've got some events coming up here where you're going to actually do we'll call it a meet and greet, but unplug, taking questions. Now, you, you realize you're opening yourself up to the gauntlet there. Uh, again, I think that speaks to your confidence in, like, they can ask you anything. I feel that way from a media standpoint that you're willing to talk about it, maybe even debate it. Um, how important is that to you to kind of, because fans can sit at home and say, this guy's the worst. Why don't they fire him? But when they're sitting in front of you, I'm sure the tone is going to be different. Uh, why is that important to you to, to do that with the fans?
1: Because you owe it to the fans they're i mean they're the reason we do this um i feel a great responsibility to answer questions to those that are tuning in every night to watch us play and um, i have zero problem you said just opening yourself up to the gauntlet i'm more than happy to do that and some people just want to be able to interact and ask questions that are um decent questions and some people want to get asked and, and I'm okay with either one. Part of being a fan is being passionate and when things don't go well you're you're passionate about why they didn't go well so I'm okay sitting in front of a group and, and going through that. I think it's it's important um, for the last I don't know 17-18 years you wake up and every day you're thinking about how to make this organization better and um, there's certain years I don't go the way you want them to um, last year was, was brutal so if fans have questions i'd rather you instead of
0: yelling at your tv come let's go talk about it (laughs) yeah and i also think you are willing to be open and honest is that ever an issue like the tyler o'neill situation you were pretty open you were mad that he didn't hustle are there times i want a manager as unfiltered as possible i want you to say anything and everything how do you balance it because sometimes fans might be like you didn't play so-and-so well they don't know that that player came to you and said I don't want to go today, I'm tired, or whatever. They, you know, There's a lot of stuff that you guys have to kind of hold back. How do you balance that when you want to tell people the truth?
1: Yeah, it, it, you have to protect the player, and there's times you, you, you pick and choose when you want something out there and when you don't. Um, I can tell you that before you sit in front of that mic, after every game, you're you're pretty thoughtful about what you're going to be willing to say and what you're not. I'm not very reactive in nature when it comes to saying something that I didn't plan on saying. Um, So, yeah, you you want to have the players back. You want to protect the clubhouse. You want to make sure that there's accountability as well. And uh, I've been equally as open about when I jack something off. And that's what I think people sometimes are afraid to do because it's going to be held against you and people can run and all 100 different directions, 100 miles an hour, and and if you self-admit that, hey, here's what I didn't do well, I left this guy in too long, or here's what I think I could have done better, but the reality is, just put it out there, who cares? Um, At least that's the way I think about it. I think if you're going to say that honesty is important to you, well, you also have to be honest about when you look in the mirror and and be able to point things out um, that maybe aren't in line with the the mission of Gentile World Series. So... Um,
0: accountability goes both ways. Where do you want to be better? You said you did a lot of self-analysis, kind of reflecting, and, and is any of that strategy? What What did you come away with that you're willing to share?
1: Yeah, strategy, strategy. strategy. I, I think the X's and O's are one thing. Um, everyone has an opinion on, on certain booths. The reality is um, when, when they communicate what they would have done, it's 100% certainty that theirs would have worked. <laughs> And that's just not how this, how this actually works. So X and knows is one thing. Um, when you start to break down the staff and the players, I think there's some things internally that, that we're working on that I think could, could speak volumes to how this season goes. Um, we'll keep those in-house. But um, at the end of the day, this is the most excited I've been going into a year. I'll tell you that.
0: How about me saying to you, maybe you don't need to always be unfiltered. Then he gives me a, we're going to keep that in-house. I did it to myself there. I should be like, just tell us everything at all times. I'll tell you what, the manager position, at least in the division, uh, boy, it's prioritized. How about the Cubs taking counsel from Milwaukee? That did not sit well with my Brewer friends, but uh, it's it's kind of a compliment to the position, isn't it? The level of importance that the Cubs placed on it. What did you think of that move?
1: Um, Yeah, I – I put a whole lot of thought into it obviously you see uh it take place um it, it's within the division but um it, it's an important position and leadership's important um h- how you lead not only your staff at the big league level um and how you treat them but but the players and then the minor league system and making sure that you're instilling certain qualities that speak more to the continuity all the way to the bottom um so I, I do think the position is extremely important, obviously, they place the value on that, that that we haven't seen in a long time or ever um, from a financial standpoint. But at the end of the day, it's um, you're leading people. That's why when you ask about the X's and O's, that, that's one thing, But this is a, a game played by humans who experience certain pressures and anxieties and have families and kids and, and, and deal with a lot throughout the course.
0: You got a couple of guys in Goldie, Arnato, who are now Goldschmidt's a little older than Arnato, but guys who are getting later in their career. They want to win. They came to St. Louis to win. It's not your obligation, but I'm curious your sense from them, how important it is, you know, last year was horrible for everybody. These guys are potential Hall of Fame players who want to be in October. How do you how do you sense from what do you sense from them in terms of their drive to say let's let's get this right. Let's fix it together. We gotta to be in October.
1: Not just be in October. If you ask Goldie, he he was not satisfied with getting to the playoffs. Um, they want to ring. To your point, they they they've been in the sleep for a while. Um, there'll be a time where they're no longer doing this, and they want to make sure that every year they're taking the best shot and they're preparing in order to do that. You're, you're going to see a very motivated Arenado. Um, Goldie has spent. A lot of time this offseason, not only improving himself, but making sure that he's bringing others alongside with him, and and I think you'll see the fruits of that as well. Um, So from a clubhouse standpoint, I'm extremely excited as to where it stands today. And uh, I think you're right. These guys want to make sure that they take their shot, and at the end of their career they're able to uh, have at least uh, one ring to show for it.
0: All right, final thought. One of your great contributions in 2022 was getting Mo and Albert on the phone together, getting Pujols to come to St. Louis. Albert told us. Albert told us. He said, I talked to Ollie and let's go here. And boy, that worked out. Can Albert come around? I know he works for the Angels in some capacity. Do you anticipate seeing him at spring training? And and do you ever see him getting involved at the coaching level?
1: Yeah, I think at some point, but he does have his contract. Uh, with the Angels, which uh, doesn't allow him to actually participate to the degree that we would want in, in St. Louis. Um, but um, I, I talk to him often. He, he He's a really good friend, um, and uh, we get to kind of bounce things back and forth uh, during the offseason. I mean, I, I just saw him not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, and, and he's always a phone call away, so I, I appreciate his the relationship I have with him. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean... From us seeing him in spring training, it won't be anything scheduled. Yeah.
0: Well, Ollie, we appreciate you hopping on, and uh, good luck with all your fans, meet and greet, and we will uh, see you at spring training.
1: (laughs) I appreciate it, man. Thank you.